We're going to look at Yom Teruah and the coronation of the Messiah, okay? Now, I've taught this uh, a few times now, and it's come around this time of the year, and it just, it keeps coming. You know, sometimes I'm like, well, you know, I did teach that last year, but I believe that it's a message that's relevant for today, okay? So we're going to be reading scriptures, looking at some pictures, and I'm just praying and hoping that this will give you some insight, put a little pep in your step for the fall feast, amen? Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 24, let's read it together. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Does everybody see that? The Feast of Trumpets is very mysterious. It's in the fall feast. We know the spring feasts have been fulfilled, and they are being fulfilled, but, but we know that now we're moving into these fall feasts. There's a little mystery, amen, about the trumpet and the blasting of the trumpet and all these cool things that are happening. And so we know that it's even a memorial of blowing of trumpets, okay? It is a memorial. And as we see, how many of you know that you need two witnesses to decide a matter? Two witnesses, two people blowing a shofar. How about that? That would be cool. So we have, of course, uh, two young men blowing the trumpets. And uh, you could say Joshua and Caleb, amen. Picture of the two boys blowing the trumpets, amen. Yeah. Praise God. You see that? Now, when I was a little boy, you know, I didn't get to blow the shofar. But you see how quick things change? You see how fast things happen? Because, see, in the past, it was only one generation that would go into the promised land. The older generation would die in the wilderness, amen? But I got good news for all of you elders, for all of you with gray hair, no hair, some hair, long hair. We get to go into the promised land. We are out of captivity, amen? We could all participate because in Jeremiah 31, it talks about the old men dancing, I don't want to hear about an age factor, folks. It says the old men will join the dance. So, so all I'm saying is that, you know, there's all kinds of restoration going on in our midst. And dancing is one of the things that's been restored back to us. Amen. And if you don't believe me, it's kind of interesting. Look at the culture in which we live when it comes to dancing, right? You know, I wouldn't mind watching Dancing with the Stars if they wore clothes. Amen. Um, <laughs> So, you know, that's really not something I want to watch. Oh, but it's dancing. Yeah, and Herod had a dancer too. Remember that? Didn't work out for John the Baptist, did it? And that was a great dance. So how about dancing with the Hebrews? Or they have a, a show called, So You Think You Can Dance. Okay, these are all counterfeits, okay? You need to be doing congregational dance. It's the real thing, just like Coke. It's the real thing. And you could be a dancer too. So look at, let's look at this. A memorial of blowing of trumpets, you know. Once again, listen everybody, you don't have to have all the answers. All you have to have is a few good questions. Because that's what keeps us going. Things that make you go, hmm. A memorial of blowing of trumpets. It's the Hebrew word, zikron. It means a memorial. It's 2146 in the Strong's Concordance. It means a what? A memento or memorable thing, day or writing or a record or to record. So we have to ask ourselves, 
if, if the trumpet blowing is a memorial, let's ask the question, what is the memorial? What are we to be reminded of? Could it be the fall feasts reflecting on the spring feasts? Hey, remember those spring feasts? Remember what happened at Mount Sinai? So we have to look at the law of first mention. The law of first mention. The first time that the shofar was blown can be found in Exodus 19.16. I know this sounds redundant, but this is the way it has to be taught to be caught. Okay? These, these are the things that we need to understand. Because we all skip Mount Sinai, and then the Father says, I need you to go back to Mount Sinai and to reflect and to ponder and to go back to school. Amen? So let's look at Exodus 19, 16, and we're going to read it all together. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Exodus 19, 16. Isn't that incredible? The voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. This word trumpet is the Hebrew word shofar. Now, what's one of the first things that we discovered when we found our Hebrew roots? You need a shofar. You know what I'm saying? A tallit, a keeper, whatever, and a shofar. Oh, Amen. And a complete Jewish Bible. And you're just, you're good. You're good, right? And, and so we can't take this lightly, you know, to, to begin to experience the Hebrews of the Christian faith and begin to embark on this awesome journey. There are tools and things that the Father wants to give us in restoration. Amen. And we know that out of all the things that we do have in the Messianic movement, the shofar has, has literally made its way back into the church. So when that shofar is blown, we know that it's trying to get the bride's attention. Something inside of us is alerted, okay? So once again, the word trumpet is the word shofar. Once again, let's ask the question, can the feast day of Yom Teruah be a reminder of the marriage covenant that was made at Mount Sinai by the blowing of trumpets? I would say yes. I would say that's the memorial. What else is there to reflect upon when it comes to a trumpet? And if you go back to the law of first mention, it's interesting that it's in regards to a marriage. Amen? So what's happening in our culture today? They're trying to redefine marriage. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. They're trying to take this memorial and pervert it and twist it. Because that's what the enemy does. He can only take what is true and twist and pervert it. That's why it's so important, young people, that you have a personal relationship with Yeshua, that you are grafted into the olive tree, that you're hidden in Christ, you're his, you are an olive plant growing up to be an olive tree, and that you are in covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he's expecting great things from you, young people, because you don't have to make the mistakes that your parents made. You don't have to go off and sow your wild oats. That's a misnomer. No, you do not have to do that. You can do it right. Amen? Amen. I always say, you know, my wife is a picture of the Old Testament, and I'm a picture of the New Testament. Amen? You can do it right, or you can have grace. And now I'm going to move on. 
The feast day of Yom Teruah is also a celebration of the new moon because it falls in the seventh month on the first day. Now, if you do like what I do, I take the verses, I take the seasons, and I meditate on it. I'll sit in a chair, and I'll, and I'll be thinking tomorrow morning, you know, as I'm happily enjoying my coffee, um, that I'll be thinking in my mind, okay, tonight is Tishri 1, the seventh month begins. Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year in the civil calendar, it's going to be 5777. The trumpet's going to be sounded. You know, you can have a special dinner. And, and, and I'm just thinking, I'm going to be thinking about this tomorrow morning as I get up and stuff. I'll be thinking about this. It's going to be the seventh month and the first day. And one day the Lord is going to blow the trumpet over me. So you just meditate on that and you think about that and you don't take it lightly. You really, really, really think about it. So let's look at this. This year, the feast day of Yom Teruah will be celebrated on October the 2nd, beginning in the evening and concluding in the evening on October 3rd. Amen. So we will be coming together on Monday night to celebrate Yom Teruah. It'll be a biblical new year as far as, you know, the civil calendar, but we know that uh, redemption is actually in the spring uh, for a biblical new year, but we're actually looking at this civil new year. So how many, how many know everything's okay? And, and so that's what's really happening. It's that simple, you know. It's really that simple. It's not complicated, but we do complicate it. So let's ask another question. If Yeshua fulfilled the spring feasts, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, will he fulfill the fall feasts, trumpets, day of atonement, and tabernacles? Absolutely. So there's the mystery. Wow, how is this going to play out? How is this going to happen? How many of you know that here at Beit Dehila, we're going to have an awesome rehearsal? Everybody, all hands on deck. We're all shipmates. And we are going to have an awesome rehearsal. We really are. You know? And, and, the, and the thing you've got to watch out for in a rehearsal, it's about God's word and us being obe obedient to God's word. Okay? So don't forget that there were, the sower went out to sow the seed, did he not? It's that third one you got to watch out for. It's the deceitfulness of riches. And the cares of this life will choke out your rehearsal. I don't care if it's small children, your job, your marriage, or your next-door neighbor, or a circumstance, or a problem, or a car repair, or air conditioning, whatever it is. You know, don't let the cares of this life choke out your rehearsal. Because I have people tell me all the time, Pastor Nick, I was doing so good until the Sabbath came. Hello, did you try to put it all together? <laughs> There's a scheme. There's a plan. He wants to distract you. Sometimes you got to say, I'll take care of this later. Amen. If you have a problem, it'll still be there. Let it go. It's, this is what happens to us. I'm just warning you. I've only been doing this for 20 years. I've seen it all. I think I've seen it all. So once again, Yeshua fulfills the feast, and we get to participate in them. Yeshua fulfills the feast, and we get to participate in them. I remember at one time with the feast, I got all riled up, and we got to do this and this, and I was getting all worked up. It was like the Holy Spirit like, took me off to the side and said, you don't, <laughs> you don't fulfill anything. You're just supposed to rehearse this thing and get ready. I'm going to do the prophecy. I'm going to have it fulfilled. I was like, thanks, Jesus. That's so much better. That is good. That's a good thing. But that's what we do. We get all worked up when you should be enjoying it. It should be fun, you know. You shouldn't be putting the soup up with your kids. We're putting the soup up and you're going to like it, kids. Give me those palm branches. Kids are going to be scarred for life. 
Remember when we put up the sukkah? Oh, do I ever. You know? It's like my wife's telling me, oh, before you go to Israel, you're putting a sukkah up. I said, no, I'm not. She goes, yes, you are. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to put the sukkah up. And I got it. I said, you're, I'm putting the sukkah up. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Come on, kids. Now, let's go to the New Testament. I love when they do this. Do, this, do they do this to you people? Where's that in the New Testament? Glad you asked. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Amen. Paul's letting the church in on the feast days, is he not? Let's read it together. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. You know, I got this revelation. I was just thinking about Noah because of all the rain we've had lately. And I was thinking about Noah building the ark. He's building the ark, right? He didn't go out and convert everybody. Hey, Will, come on, bring your family. I need you to help me build this ark. We're going to build this ark. Hey, I'm building this ark, and you're going to like it. Come on, Will. And that's what we do in the Hebrews of the Christian faith to everybody around us. How many of you know it doesn't work? And then it dawned on me, you know, that's right. Nobody helped, helped him build that ark but his family. Did you hear that, Josiah? Write that down. So it doesn't matter whether somebody comes to help me to build the ark. He asked me to build it. If I get some help, great. If I don't, I don't. Think about it, everybody. This is, this is wonderful. He didn't say go and convert the world. He said go and make disciples. So we get disappointed because we didn't convert somebody. What's the point? Doesn't God know who needs to be converted and who doesn't? Doesn't he know who is Israel and who isn't Israel? You're going to try to make somebody to be something they're not. They like who they are. No, you're going to be an Israelite. You're going to like it. They're like, no, man, you be an Israelite. Back off, you Jew boy. Get out of here. And then you say thank you. Torah Rabbah. Thank you very much. So as you understand, Paul was sent to the church, I believe, to give them their Hebrew roots. I believe it. I don't believe Paul was schizophrenic. I believe he had situations about the Torah and different things and, and circumstances. But I believe he was Torah observant. He kept the Torah, just like Yeshua did. And he properly interpreted it. Amen. The real issue is, do you want to do it by the Spirit? Amen. I, I do. It's changed my life. It, it, it shows me what sin is. That's pretty cool. All of the feasts found in Leviticus 23 are agricultural, redemptive, and prophetic in nature. Remember, you got the, the barley harvest, the wheat harvest, and then this fruit harvest. This is what's happening right now. This is the best time to come together. Just like uh, Carolyn was sharing about the grapes, you know. They bled on her, she bled on them, you know. And, and, and it's, like, it's like, here's this harvest. And, and the Feast of Tabernacles is called the Feast of Ingathering. This is the best time to go to church. This is the best time to come together for community. It's the best time. Here we go. Now this is where we're going to get really excited. One of the concepts in Jewish liturgy and tradition for Yom Teruah is Hamalech, which means the king. Hamalech. Amen. Hamalech. 
the king. It's only fitting, isn't it? They talk about during the month of Elul, the king is out in the field. He's out among the village. and He's out among the people. And you can give him a hug and do all these cool things and talk to him. Why? Because you better. Because he's making his way to the throne. He's making his way to judgment. Don't be deceived. We'll all be judged. We're all going to be judged. Amen? We're all going to be judged. So, looking at the scriptures... Concerning Yom Teruah, it becomes obvious that it is the coronation of the Messiah. We know he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't we know that? We read that what? In the book of Revelation? It says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he's not been coronated a king yet, everybody. He's not been coronated a king. Where in the scriptures can we find where he was coronated a king? Remember how everybody jumped the gun about him being a king? They jumped the gun, didn't they? He's like, hey, hey, I just did that for you. Don't tell anybody. It wasn't for him to be a king yet. Do you remember when they wanted to make him a king and he eluded them in the crowd? Now, listen to this. From ancient times, Jewish scholars have always associated this day with the beginning of the Messianic kingdom, hence a Messianic king. Some have said that we're already in the Messianic age because of our lifestyle, because of our faith. We're meeting on the Sabbath. We're keeping the dietary laws. We're doing the feast days. How many of you understand what I'm saying? We're in the Messianic age. We're simply doing today what we know we're going to do tomorrow with our king. Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. Let's read this. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. I want you to catch that. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. We are here because of a person, everybody. I'm here because of Yeshua. Amen? He gave me eternal life. He led the way. He says, I grafted you in. I'm the root of the olive tree. If they say you can't be Israel, tell them to come see me. And that's what I do. They say, how could, how could you be a non-Jew and be Israel? I said, go ask Jesus. Go tell him that. He made a way for me. He, he said I could be an Israelite. Don't be afraid to share these things. It's your faith. Do you believe it? How could I have access to the olive tree without the root? So see, I don't want to get caught up in here over, over systems and plans and itinerary and ministries. I'm here because of a person. And you share that same person with me. And together we go on a journey with him. This is good stuff. Notice the scepter, amen. Notice the scepter. Now this is Jacob's blessing to Judah. How many of you know that? Jacob's blessing to Judah. Do you see the scepter? Does that involve a king or a kingdom? Did any other tribe get the scepter? No. No. The Judah will not let go of that scepter. It's his. Numbers 24, 17. Here's Balaam's prophecy. Even, even talk, talking donkeys get in all this stuff. It's kind of cool. Why you want to hit me, man? But we believe all this other stuff in the world, but we don't believe in talking donkeys. Okay, look what he says here. 
I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheph. Amen? Do you see that? Shall rise out of Israel, the seed of Abraham. It'll come from Israel. Amen? Balaam's prophecy. Balaam's prophecy. Does everybody see that scepter? Jeremiah 23, 5. Let's continue on. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Who is this? It's Yeshua. Listen, we are so blessed right now to look back 2,000 years to his death, burial, and resurrection. We're on borrowed time, everybody. We're looking back 2,000 years in reflection upon this. We don't have time to waste. We have to have our priorities in line, everybody. I've got this urgency in my spirit. Get ready, get ready. The king is coming. The king is coming. Really, that's why I don't get caught up in debates and 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 scandal, and all this other stuff, and gossip, because I'm being prepared as the bride. I want to be blameless. And it doesn't matter what happens in the earth. It doesn't matter if your, if your air compressor goes out in your car, amen. You still have to prepare yourself. You might be a sweaty bride. It's okay. The original bride was sweaty. What you do is you get servants to fan you when the air breaks down. What about Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33? Let's read this in the New Testament. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. He's going to get reelected every term. No more terms. Who's he going to reign over? The house of Jacob. Yaakov. Anytime you see the word Jacob, that means he's kind of fallen short a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Anytime you see Jacob, we're not at our best. How many of you understand what I'm saying? But when you see Israel, you're a prevailing prince, co-ruler with God. That's what Israel means. Isn't that what you want to be? A prevailing prince, co-ruler with God. You rule and reign today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Be active now. Outserve one another. So both his lineage and his fulfillment of messianic prophecies caused people to recognize him as king. Remember in the fourth day of creation, what was created? Remember the light. Yeshua says, I'm the light of the world. So it was the 4,000-year mark in the earth. So there was this anticipation for a Messiah already. This is why you'll find a lot of children were named Jesus other than Jesus. He wasn't the only one. There was this anticipation, amen? Great anticipation. So there were those that understood the scriptures and their heart was open and they received him as a king. They knew that, oh, this is the king, this is the Messiah. Because they didn't have preconceived ideas. Their spirit was open to the proper interpretation of the Messiah. 
Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 48 and 49 of such an individual. Let's look at this. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Now there's the Godhead. How could Jesus notice Nathanael under the fig tree unless he's God? And now Nathanael's thinking, there was nobody around when I was under that fig tree. Oh, and by the way, the fig tree represents, it represents, it really represents the Torah. It represents the Torah. And I want to go there. The parable of the fig tree in Matthew 24. So I mean that the Lord sees everything that you do. When you do good, when you do bad, when you pursue him, he sees it all. This is part of the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, verses 32 through 35. I just want to read that. Matthew chapter 24. Verses 32 through 35, just gives you some food for thought. The lesson of the fig tree. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. We just came out of summer, didn't we? So that means what? The figs are coming as a harvest. So likewise, ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. The leaves are the pages of the Torah. Why is the fig tree likened to the Torah? Because you can eat the seed and all. You can eat the whole thing. But let him interpret this parable. Look at verse 34. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. So he's going to take you through the spring harvest. He's going to take you to the summer harvest. You got the figs, right, representing Torah. Look what he says in verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away. This is what he's saying in the parable. When Torah comes into the earth, you are the generation. He's telling you the parable. People want to say, oh, the fig tree is Israel. The fig to some degree, yes, but not in this case. Remember when he cursed the fig tree? He was simply liking the people to the fig tree. He cursed it, right? Because you refused to believe that I was the Messiah. So he cursed it to show that he could curse. So they're broken off and they have no fruit. How many understand what I'm saying? Let scriptures interpret scriptures. Let, let it interpret itself. He says right there, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So he's saying his words are important. We've been in Torah for 17 years. And what happens? After summer, you go into the fall, you start a new Torah cycle. This is why the Torah is so important, everybody. The Torah is more important now than it ever has been for all of us. Because that's our constitution. That's good stuff. Here's the prophecy. Here's the prophecy. It's partly fulfilled. Let's, well, there's the fig tree in Israel. Amen. How many of you love fig newtons? See? I knew you had Torah in you. Mm, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, okay, let's look at Zechariah 9.9. 9. 
Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey and upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. Yeshua. He came in on a donkey. It said that he would come in on a donkey. Did he come in on a donkey? Yes, he did. Remember General Allenby? What did he do to Jerusalem? He walked into the city because he realized, I'm not a king. He walked out of respect. He probably knew this prophecy to some degree. But what's interesting is this. How many of that thousands of years can go by in between verses? So when you see a reference like this, it's interesting. Because if you look at this prophecy, we say partly fulfilled. Because you have to keep reading it. And I'm just going to share this with you real quickly here. In Zechariah chapter 9, verses 13, it talks about Judah is the bow and Ephraim is the arrow. If you keep reading this chapter, there's Ephraim and Judah. These two different groups of people. You lump everybody together, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss God. Why is this so important? Ephraim has a hard time hitting the mark. Ephraim doesn't know how to hit the mark because we've been told the law's been done away with. Hitting the target's been done away with. You know, you miss the mark when you don't have the Torah. That's why, you know, the church is in trouble. The Torah's not been done away with. That's like throwing out the instruction booklet. No, you need the instruction booklet. Why am I sharing this with you? Because our relationship with Judah is important. Because Judah's going to take us in the bow and say, hey, you have the spirit. You have the Torah. We're going to stick you in the bow, and we're going to shoot you, and you're going to hit the mark. Why is that important? Why is it important for Judah and Ephraim to come together, for the Jews and the non-Jews to come together? Because I'll tell you why. Because when this happens, when we go inside the bow and they shoot us, who are we up against? The sons of Greece. The Grecian Empire. What's the image of Greece? It's the groin area. It's, we're going to hit the mark and be betrothed and be the bride. Because it's the groin area in the image of Daniel. But that's the good news that we're, we're about ready to go in a bow, everybody. He's getting ready to shoot us. So we have to hit the mark. You understand what I'm saying? We can't be playing around. We have to know Judah. He puts us in the boat, and he shoots us, and we work together. Because it's a 10 to 2 ratio. Judah's going to have a lot of arrows, baby. Why? It's 10 to 2 ratio. You need one strong bow and a bunch of arrows. Do you want to be the arrow? I want to be the arrow. Lord, shoot me. Maybe that doesn't sound right. Lord, shoot me. Why is this important? Because in verse 14, it says, The Lord God shall blow the trumpet. You see how close we are to prophecy? Does everybody understand what I'm saying to you? The two houses is important. It's a big deal. Otherwise, you can't, you can't discern. You can't decipher the prophecies. You can't put them together properly. This is incredible. I'm sorry. It's just incredible. Let's look at the fulfillment. Let's read it. Luke 19, verses 37 and 38. 
And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. See, Yeshua is a big deal, everybody. His death, burial, and resurrection, it's just a big deal. See, you don't even know what was here before you were here. You don't even understand the spiritual realm. We don't even understand the third heaven and the throne room and, and Yahweh and how he created and did all these things and, and the coup and the rebellion. We really don't understand the ramifications of this. We, we just don't. So you got to be thinking, okay, the Father had to send his only begotten Son to save me because I'm made in his image. So all the things they're digging up in the earth, a lot of them are not made in the image of God. That's a new twist. Amen? Like the dinosaurs in the, in, in, they're digging up, just like the little hobbits, the giants, all this crazy stuff. But we're the homo sapiens. We're made in his image. We're a big deal. We are made in the image and likeness of our Father. And who hates that more than anything? Satan, because you just took his place. He was the worship leader, amen? So if you're the worship leader and you're singing and you're, lead, you're leading in worship and you're worshiping the Lord, Satan hates your guts. I mean, you go on iTunes just to buy something. Every album on there, it says E for explicit. It's like you can't even get around it. It's just nasty garbage. Disgusting. I mean, really and truly just Disgusting. You know, I can't even look at the album, you know. It's just so disgusting. And millions are buying it. I like this picture. See that little boy to the right of Messiah? That was me. Years ago when I was younger. I always did like this picture because, you know, it kind of looks like me. We could say it's Micah. Amen. Little, little Micha. I thought that was kind of cool. So let's continue on. So let's look, at, let's look at this. In order to have a king, there must be a coronation. Amen? Is a coronation a big deal? Is a coronation a big deal in England? Absolutely. The Messiah Yeshua will have a literal crowning in the future at Yom Teruah. Boy, that's something to think about. Now all of a sudden this memorial is starting to, it's starting to come alive now, isn't it? Wow, there's... There's some strong possibilities here. Now, we can see in the book of Daniel, the day of judgment, Yom Hadin, as the court is seated and the books are opened. The ancient of days, God is seated to judge all men. Oh, we're getting ready to go back into the book of Daniel. Have you heard some teachings on the book of Daniel? Do you love the Daniel fast? I'm going to move on now. And what I want to tie in is something very interesting because you can do this study yourself. Once again, you, you, you get interested in something, you want to understand something because what, what is it saying here? In all you're getting, get understanding. It makes you feel better. Oh, that's how that works. Wow. If I put a new battery in that clock on the wall, it starts to work again. That's incredible. The clock just stopped. Why? 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 Put a new battery in. Wow, that's great. Amen. That's what happened over there. It was like 5 p.m. over at that storehouse for, for, for months. 
just five o'clock, you know. Time just stood still, you know. It's five o'clock. Hey, what time is it, Tom? Hey, it's five. <laughs> Ten minutes later, it's five o'clock. We gotta go. It's five. Daniel's first vision in Daniel 7, verses 1 through 14. Daniel's first vision. Are you guys ready for this? Now, we know that Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? This is Prophecy 101, everybody. This is so simple. Don't be intimidated. It's so simple. Let's look at the four great beasts. I'm going to kind of break this down for you just so you get an understanding how close we are to a coronation. The four great beasts. This is so simple. The four great beasts. Here we go. The lion represents Babylon, right? That's in verse 4 of chapter 7. So there's the lion. Has that come and gone? Have the Babylonians come and gone? Absolutely. Number two, the bear represents what? Medo-Persian in verse 5. Have the Persians come and gone? Yeah, but we still have their rugs. Today, Iran is Persia. Persia is Iran. How many of you say what I'm saying? Actually, the country of Iraq would be part of Babylon because that's where Ur is. Amen. Remember Ur? Isn't that where Abraham was from? Number three, how about a leopard represents what kingdom? Greece, Alexander the Great. Would you all agree that these three empires have come and gone? You guys are scholars. You should be teaching this. Look at number four. The Romans, the Roman government. This terrifying, dreadful beast, amen? It doesn't even tell you what it is. It's so... But look at this. Contained is what? Ten horns. Now let's stop right there. Did we have a Roman government? Was there an Eastern Empire and a Western Empire, which represented the legs of iron, amen? Right? And they're the longest part of the body, the longest running empire are the legs, amen? Amen? Especially if you're an NBA player. That kingdom's really long. Think about it. Think about it, everybody. So in this prophecy, what are we waiting for? Ten horns. So if you look at prophecy and you're looking at this image, what, what, is, it, what is it doing? It's moving its way down towards what? Towards ten toes. So I would submit to you this, this much. We are prophetically in the heels because things are happening. Things are getting stirred up. Partly of iron, partly of clay. How many of that doesn't mingle very well? That's not a good craft class. Today, we're going to put iron and clay together. How many of you know it doesn't mingle? So what is it telling you? It's talking about people and brute force doesn't work. But then there's a little horn in verse 8. So do you see what we have to look forward to? We have ten horns and then a little horn. We'll never know who the Antichrist is until he usurps three of these horns. Does everybody understand that? So continuing on, let's look at this. Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Look what it says here. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as a burning fire. Does everybody see that? Wow. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as a burning fire. 
Remember the throne was like a chariot? Let's keep reading. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. We could compare this to Revelation I believe 5.11, but we won't go there right now because we're going to come to that. So does everybody see this being played out right now? So don't spend all your time on the beasts. Think of the throne. Think about what's coming. He's telling you what's going to happen. He's telling you what to look forward to. See, in verse 13 and 14 coming up, the Son of Man, a term for Messiah, comes to the Ancient of Days and is given a kingdom or a coronation. Let's read Daniel 7, 13, and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Keep reading. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. My favorite song of all time is Ancient of Days. Oh, Ancient of Days. I love that song because that's what it's all about. Now, what I want to share with you is this, a little side note, just to get you thinking about your personal life and where you're at today and where you want to be tomorrow so that you can have the answers to the test. Amen? I want you to think about this with me, if you will. And I just add this as my little side notes. You can go back and study it for yourself. I encourage you to go in and read it for yourself. I copy it from Bible Gateway or Crosswalk.com or whatever. Copy the chapter. You can highlight. You can do all kinds of cool stuff. Put it in front of you and just pray over it. Lord, give me revelation knowledge. Let me see, Father, the prophecies and the scriptures. Show it to me by your rule condition, by your Holy Spirit. And that's what I do in my office. That's what I do at home. That's what I do in my bed, amen. I don't just flippantly read commentary and just go through the scriptures. No, I meditate on it. I chew on it. In verse 17, once again, you have the four beasts. But in verse 18, it says, the saints take the kingdom. Amen. In verse 19 and 20, you've got the fourth beast, and then you've got ten horns in chapter 7, okay? But look at this. In verse 21, this is what we're all experiencing right now. The horn prevails against the saints. Oh, we don't want to preach that. It's called the wearing down of the saints. Have you heard of it? Do some of you feel worn down? How many of you feel worn down and you don't even have children? Now raise your hand in the air. That's the ones I want to see. Don't even have children and you're worn down. Shame on all of you. Shame, shame. Come to my house, baby. You will be feeling like a hundred bucks. You will leave so encouraged and full of hope and inspired that you'll be saying, I'm good. I'm good. Really? Let's uh, intercede for Danielle right now, everybody. Come on. Let's pray for her. Why am I telling you this? Because while all of a sudden we're, we're heavy-spirited 
and we feel like quitting and we just don't feel inspired and we don't really want to help anybody and we become judgmental. We become selfish and complacent. Why? Because it's a tactic of the enemy. The only way you can beat it is through spiritual exercises. See, at the beginning of Revelation chapter 4, there is the sounding of the shofar indicating Yom Teruah. Again, the court of heaven with God the Father sitting on the throne until chapter 5 when the Messiah is given the kingdom. Remember, John went up there. Let me show you what's going on, John. Let me show you. Notice that the coronation takes place and that John, the author of Revelation, actually was summoned by the trumpet to witness this event. To witness this event. Notice that the coronation takes place and that John, the author of Revelation, actually was summoned by the trumpet to witness this event. Remember, trumpet also means voice because there's a lot of voices out there. Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, let's read it together. After this, I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Man, that's good stuff. Is that good stuff or what? Oh, look at that. The shofar. The shofar. That is cool, isn't it? Think about this. You just got to think about this. So we already found in Daniel, after those four beasts, that all these people are serving around the throne. Thousands upon thousands. Amen. Look at Revelation 5, verses 11 through 13. Let's read this together. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is a lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So who's getting the, who's getting the glory? Do you see it? Do you remember in Daniel, the Son of Man approached the throne. Now in Revelation, it's a progressive revelation. Now we know who it is. Let's keep reading in verse 13 of Revelation. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. That's why whenever you're dealing with pride or arrogance, just, just get on your knees and raise your hands and say, I worship you, Lord. And your flesh will say, oh, no, you can just do that in your chair. No, get on your knees. Get on your face and tell that flesh, you're dying today. You're being crucified. Why? Because your body has to submit to your spirit. It's not the other way around. Spirit is willing. Flesh is weak. And don't worry about the sweet nothings. Oh, you're just showing off. You're just trying to be humble. No, baby. If you're on your knees, you can fake it all you want. You're humble. Because <laughs> if you don't want to go on your knees, you're not going to go on your knees. Nobody can make you. This is good stuff. Many of the Psalms speak of the coronation of the Messiah. Many of the Psalms speak of the coronation of the Messiah. In Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, you can read that. But we're going to look at Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Here we go. 
Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. You see the atheists? You see the, the new world order? Amen? Why do the heathen rage or the nations and the people imagine a vain thing, emptiness? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Amen? Yeshua. But look at Psalm 2.6 in reference to this. Keep it in context. Look what it says. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Wow. That's good, isn't it? It gets even better in reference to the anointed one, uh, Yeshua. In Psalm 2.12, here we go, some intimacy. Let's read it. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. He's the author and finisher of your faith, amen? Give him the pen of your life. Now, I know I resist him sometimes, and I know sometimes I go the wrong way, and I got to, you know, recomputing. GPS for life, remember? Recomputing. But I want to submit something to all of you. If you give him the pen of your life, he's the author and finisher of your faith. So go back to the day that you cried out to the Lord and he saved you. You gave him the pen of your life. Let him write your story. I'm telling you this from my heart. I am here today because he holds the pen of my life. Am I perfect? No. But he has the pen. And he writes great novels. They're bestsellers. When I take the pen and start writing my own chapters, it turns into a Stephen King novel. Yeah. You like Stephen King? That's what we do, though. Lord, I got this from here. Those eight chapters, love you. Thanks. Then, turns into a horror flick. You're like, yeah, you know what? I'd like to give this back to you. Can we just rip out those two chapters? They, that's a rough draft. Listen, I wouldn't be here if I didn't give him the pen of my life. Are you kidding me? If someone t told me, you're going to have three sons, you're going to have four daughters, you know, and, and you're going to lead a community of Israelites back to the promised land. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They're coming to take me away. <laughs> but does it matter? Because God wants my faith. I have to tell people. This is what the Father has told me to do. This is what he's spoken to me. This is what people are like, oh, I don't know about that. He didn't say that to me. Well, I know that. He said it to me. You weren't in the room. So now when I'm laying in bed at night, and it's actually quiet in my house for at least 45 minutes, I'm thinking about this. Am I crazy? Honey? Oh, she's no help. Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Am I hearing another voice? Am I really supposed to be doing this? And then I think about it. I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Why? Because I can't think of anything else. Right? I can't go back. That was for somebody in here. Kiss the son. That's intimacy. He kissed us on the cross. He kissed me with his death. He took the sting out of death. God is king in Psalm 47, verses 1 through 9. Let's do it. Let's read this. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. 
Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. Selah. Think about it. Selah. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Oh, keep going. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. So that's what we come together to do, to lift up the king. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. What about the shield of faith? This is an interesting story found in the Old Testament about one of the kings. It's Joash's king. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 21. And it's interesting because there's a woman in the story. Her name is Athaliah. Her name means Yahweh is strong. That's what her name means. Now, she was the only ruling queen of both Judah and Israel. She was the granddaughter of Omri. And you can find this in 2 Chronicles 22.2. I'm giving you a reader's didis condensed version for the sake of time. Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Does that ring a bell? Athaliah is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And you know they were a wonderful couple. Amen? (laughs) Weren't they? Now, I'm not going to go political on you. I'm not going to mention any couples that you might know of in the present time. But all I'm saying is that it's all relevant. Now, she was married to Jehoram, king of Judah. Not Israel, Judah. Jehoshaphat married his son Jehoram to Athaliah. Jehoshaphat married his son Jehoram to Athaliah. Now Jehoram slew all of his brothers. And of course, Athaliah killed off all of the line except for one little boy. 2 Kings 11.3, let's read it. And he was with her hid in the house of the Lord six years, and Athaliah did reign over the land. Does everybody see that? So Joash, this little boy, was hidden. She ruled and reigned for six years. The days to the Lord is, is, is what? A thousand years. A thousand years is as one day unto the Lord. So there's an interesting little thing here. And he was with her hid, like, like Messiah right now. He's kind of hid, isn't he? He's not just out in the open running around. Hey, hey, he's hid. Okay, he's hid. Where's Jesus? What is he doing? What's going on? He was hid in the house of the Lord six years, everybody. Why? Because there was nothing going on in the house of the Lord because they were doing all these pagan practices, so they lost the one true religion. Look at 2 Kings 11.4. Let's read it. And the seventh year, 
Jehoiada sent and fetched the rulers over hundreds with the captains and the guard and brought them to him into the house of the Lord and made a covenant with them and took an oath of them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. This is one of the priests, okay? So you've got the priest and you're going to have a king. Look at 2 Kings 11.9. And the captains over the hundreds did according to all things that Jehoiada the priest commanded, and they took every man his men that were to come in on the Sabbath with them that should go out on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. So here's this little boy that's hid for six years. And in the seventh year, something's getting ready to bust out, right? Why? Because if you look at 6,000 years, the 1,000-year reign of Christ is a picture of the Sabbath. In 2 Kings 11.10, let's read it. And to the captains over hundreds did the priest give King David spears and shields that were in the temple of the Lord. Amen. Let's keep reading. Let's read verses 12 through 14 in 2 Kings 11. And he brought forth the king's son and put the crown upon him and gave him the testimony, which is what? The Torah. And they made him king and anointed him and they clapped their hands and said, God save the king. And when Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she came to the people into the temple of the Lord. So Athaliah hears this now. They clapped their hands, God save the king. Let's continue on. And when she looked, behold, the king stood by a pillar as the manor was, and the princes and the trumpeters by the king and all the people of the land rejoiced and blew with trumpets. And Athaliah rent her clothes and cried, Treason, treason! Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of what they did with her and what happened to her. They, they took her away, amen, and she died, okay? Think about that. She, she's the one yelling treason, treason. Really? See the accusations, the things? Notice that, and blew with trumpets. Trumpeters. Did everybody see that? Isn't that a, an interesting story? Look at 2 Kings eleven twenty one. 21 and closing on that part of the story. Let's read it. Seven years old was Jehoash when he began to reign. Seven means completion. See, I think this is a type and shadow of the Messiah. Go back and look at the story for yourself. It's just 21 verses. Very fascinating story about all this corruption and stuff going on, and boom, here comes the king. Man, that's good stuff. Is that a good story? That's an awesome story, isn't it? Isaiah 27, 13. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Amen. So the shofar blowing in our church, in our church agog, okay, the blowing of the shofar is to get us ready, is to alert us. You, you can't take it back. The shofar is not going away. Because why? Because shofar is so good, I'm telling you. So it's all leading up to something. So don't go, oh, there's the shofar. Listen, my kids are fighting over who gets to blow the shofar. Amen? They're fighting over who gets to blow. That's awesome. Right? They're not fighting over the iPad. They're fighting over the shofars. That's the coolest thing. Honey, get a video of that. 
Zechariah 9.14. We've been in that chapter before, haven't we? And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as the lightning, his arrow. Could that be us? And the Lord God shall blow the trumpet and shall go with whirlwinds of the south. Who's going to blow the trumpet? The Father. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Let's read it. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Keep reading. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He's got zeal. So how do we quicken this process? We send someone to the capital, right? We send someone to the capital to blow the shofar, right? Right? Giving out your little buttons and bumper stickers. Vote for Jesus. Vote for Jesus. Right? Put them on you. That's what you do. But he's the king of kings. Amen? Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. He is the king of kings. Revelation 19, 11. Let's read it. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. So he's on the big horse now, ain't he? He's not on a donkey. Look at verse 15 of Revelation 19. Let's read this one. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Wow. So out of his mouth comes the judgment. That's how he smites the enemy, right? Revelation 19, 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So he has this coronation, and then he rides out to do war. So last night, we're reading the half Torah in closing here. I can't make this stuff up. I'm going to the half Torah all over the world, in every synagogue, this half Torah is being read among Judah, all over the world. And I want to read to you just the, the ending of the half Torah in closing here. In Isaiah 63, verses 1 through 9, now we just read about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? He comes right again, doesn't he? Look at this. This is so hopeful. Comfort one another with these words. In Isaiah 63, verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read them. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? Basra is a place located south of the Dead Sea. This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine vat. You know the vintage is in the late fall. How many of you understand what I'm saying? We know when judgment is coming. We know when the Messiah is coming back. 
It's in the fall. Listen, I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Look at this, verse 4. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. Vengeance is mine, saith who? The Lord. You don't have to get all worked up. He's going to settle the score. Verse 5, and I looked and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, my own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury, it upheld me. Look at this in verse 6, and I will tread down the people of my anger and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. Listen, the people won't even know what hit them. They're hit with such force that you literally think they're drunk. Verse 7, I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel. Come on, somebody. After all of that, he talks about the house of Israel. Isn't that what you want? Go get them, Lord. Get them now. That's what I say. Enough of this. Call it quits. Come on down. Enough's enough. I'm glad I'm not God. It'd be all over, folks. We'd be drinking iced tea and playing harps right now. What's wrong with playing a harp on a cloud and having sweet tea, man? What's wrong with that image? That's a beautiful thing if you're from the South. I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies. That's why you're here. And according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. For he said, surely they are my people. Children that will not lie. So he was their savior. Be true to yourself. Be true to one another. Don't be a fair weather friend. Last verse. In all their affliction he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. So right now, he's carrying Beit Tahira. He is carrying us in his arms. Why would you want to wiggle out of his hand and go run somewhere when you're in his hands in here? This is the Father's hand in here. I don't want to be anywhere else. And so we have this, this cool thing that we want to close out and do. It's a lot of fun when I discovered this, that at this time of the year and in the seventh month on the first day, the Jewish people make challah bread like a crown. Isn't that cool? When I discovered this, I said, I got to have some of that. I got to have some of that. So I'm going to have Josiah help me out here. Let's pull out the uh, crown holla bread. You can put that picture up. Crown holla. This is the only time you can get it. And I got five minutes to pull this off, baby. Five minutes. Let me have one of those loaves. Let's just start off with, okay, who drove the farthest to get here today? Is there anybody from Alaska? Alaska. 
Anybody from Alaska, drive from Alaska? Anybody from the Bering Strait? Did you come down from the Bering Straits? No? No? You know how I could win t- today? Who lives the closest to the church? You would say, that's not fair. That's not fair. I think it's the, uh, I think it's Samantha. Spring Hill. See, go, go give that to them. What, what else? Let's, what about Homosassa? I've heard of that country. Homosassa, yeah. That's where they have the glass bottom boats. Great fishing. Yeah, Carolyn should be giving us grapes right now. Yeah, you guys. Praise the Lord. You hate them all. Okay. Who's the oldest person in here without telling me your age? Mr. Campbell? Okay, I need a fact check over here. Fact check. Yeah, but you know what? Is there anybody from Lakeland? Lakeland? Oh, wow, we've got a Lakeland Holler right over here. You can wear this, just keep the plastic on it, all right? Can I share that with them? That's awesome. You guys share that. Vicki, I see that hand. How can I help you? Alice lives in Land Lakes. What's all this water stuff going on? Lakeland, Homosassa Springs. How about a birthday? Go give that to uh, Pete and Patty. You guys probably feel like rejected right now, don't you? You know what? I think the Coens need a loaf. You know, you got a lot of family and kids to feed. You need to have that. I'm telling you, this is incredible. This is your only chance for Round Holla, folks. Is there a guest here? Do we have a guest for the first time? See, look at that. Here, Josiah. Look at the, it, it, he just keeps pulling them out. It's like Jesus, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Wow, we're really cooking now. Okay, what about the youngest person in here? Is it Ezra? You got to have teeth. You got to have teeth. Yeah, let's give one of these to the messers. I think they got, we'll give that to Pastor Russell. All right, any Catholics in the house? Raise your hand. I knew it. It's like the mafia. You can't get out. Caught you. Write those names down. Write those names down. Okay, who has the, who has the best receding hairline? Best receding hairline? I get third place. I know I don't get the holla. You know, I got to help you out, man. I got to help you out, you know. Bald is beautiful, amen? Bald is beautiful. Hair today, gone tomorrow. How many loaves do we have left? 
I got to tell you this story. So I go to the bakery, and I want to get this made. And the lady is looking at me like, so I had to explain to her. She wrote it all down, and then they made them. So I go pick up, and, and, and the bakery department is like, what, what are you doing with all this? What's going on? So I had to tell them, the king's coming. Really? I said, yeah, we're going to serve him bread. I said, it's like a crown. You know, Jesus is a king, you know, and, and at Yom Teruah, they you make this hollow bread, shit, like a crown, and he's got to have a coronation. He's going to come back and rule and reign. And they're just like, that's so why I, I told them that. I, did, I told them the whole story about the coronation and Yom Teruah, and, and it's awesome. They're like, wow. You know, can you imagine that? You ask a little question, and you get something like that? <laughs> so I take the, you know, I got Lowe's falling out of the cart. We're putting them back in. So I get up to the checkout line, and the gift just keeps on giving. <laughs> what is this? What are you doing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look, this is shaped like a crown. It's Yom Teruah. It's the coronation of the king. It's what, and we eat it and we celebrate because Jesus is going to come back and rule and reign. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And they're just like this at the checkout, kind of like, wow. Wow. Why not just tell them the truth? Tell them. You know they didn't hear that all day, that the king is coming, right? It's like, we need carts out of the parking lot. We need carts out of the parking lot. But the king's coming. How about this one can go to, how about over here? How about, yeah, Neil and Diane Prop. Would you guys like to share the crown? Absolutely. All right. All right, is that, is that it? Wow, look at that. He just keeps, how many did I buy? What's that? You know what? Listen, I, I saw Ann took a spill, and she got up like a trooper. She said, you ain't keeping me down, you devil. Get behind me. Say, get thee behind me, Satan. Hey, Amen. Is that it? Wow, look at this. One per family. Don't you hate that? That's that coupon. You know what? The Cabreras. How many people love the Cabreras? Come on. They're always greeting people. You did. You flew all the way from Omaha just to make it to church, to get us crowned holla. Is that it? One more? This is it. I see that hand. Go give that to Miss Ruth and, and, and Jane. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So just remember, in just a little over 24 hours, trumpets will be upon us. Do a good rehearsal, amen? So, Father, we just thank you for this time together to laugh and to be together. But we're listening for the trumpet, Father. We're listening for you to call us. We thank you that your hand is upon us in this place, Father. I pray traveling mercies. I just pray healing over everyone, Father. And uh, we, just, we just thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you for our fellowship and our relationships together. May they go stronger and stronger because a three-fold cord is not easily broken. I, I bless your sons and daughters in this place, Father. We just ask all of this in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody.